Wealth management is not just for the wealthy. Everyone is entitled to their best retirement possible. Welcome to The Retirement Engineer with Jim Cruzan, your path to a bigger, bolder retirement. Brought to you by Caden Wealth Management, a firm that specializes in serving the mobility technology industry. In this podcast, we help you maximize your resources and engineer your best retirement through a process-driven approach so you can get the little things right. Drawing from years of expertise, Jim and his guests will simplify complex wealth management strategies and explore actionable ideas to help you protect your hard-earned wealth and take control of your future. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to The Retirement Engineer. I'm Patrice Sikora with Jim Cruzan, and today we're exploring a topic that hits home for retired listeners. Life beyond the nine-to-five journey can surprise you with some unexpected twists and turns, leaving you in the most carefully crafted retirement plans vulnerable to detours. Eh, don't worry, don't worry, got you covered. In today's episode, we're going to explore practical strategies that can help you steer through these challenges and get your retirement back on track. Jim, we do all know what it's like to feel stuck or defeated when something doesn't go the way we planned. Now, in past episodes, we covered a lot of groundwork on the pre-retirement map, but even the most carefully crafted plans are not immune to detours. There are so many external factors that you know we just don't control. So how does someone recognize when their plan is starting to go off track? And better yet, what's the first step in correcting that? I'll tell you, this is a uh, this is a timely issue. There there are a tremendous number of people who feel like their plan is maybe not where it should be. In fact, uh, there was a recent study uh, done. I, I I'm not quite sure off the top of my head. It might have been a fidelity based study, but as recently as a year ago, the the number was something like forty percent of uh, of uh, pre retirees feel like their plan is on track. Hmm. So the vast majority feel for some reason, some way, shape, or form that it is off track. And we can understand why. You know, sometimes the career didn't quite turn out the way you'd hope. Maybe there were gaps of employment because we had to take time off to raise children or help with elderly parents. Sometimes the industry upon which you're in is is prone to re-engineering or consolidation and and plans change. You know, as as we've spoken many times before, we work with a lot of engineers within mobility technology, and uh, there are many examples of employers who, o- over a thirty year career, when you hired in, the pension benefit looked like yeah. X, <laughs> and then three or four iterations later, it's significantly less than what we were origin- uh, originally expecting. So there's a lot of reason that plans can kind of fall off the rails a bit. And uh, as one would expect, uh, the sooner one can identify that maybe there's a problem here, uh, the quicker we can apply certain strategies and techniques and kind of get back on track. So what do you so, look for though? Yeah. You know, it's a plan and you put it on the desk on the on the shelf rather. And what do you look for? Yeah. So in our practice, the way we do that is as, as clients are still in that pre-retirement period, and, and really to a large degree, we do it post-retirement as well, we, we like to run a, a number of retirement iterations. Uh, those iterations give us a, a better understanding of 
probability of success. Meaning through our eyes is the client retirement ready. And, and as long as that probability of success is reasonably strong, uh, we feel there's a really good chance with the resources we have and the expectation of additional resources to come through savings or downsizing or whatever the case might be, we should be in good shape. Obviously, the best laid plan is subject to change and there needs to be constant adjustment and, and critical pathing. But as long as that is fine, then we are reasonably assured that the plan to a large degree is in place. However, there are situations when as we refresh the plan, that those probability numbers start to drop. Mm-hmm. Maybe they drop because there was a huge distribution off the portfolio. It needed to be uh, money needed to be pulled out to help with a a child or a family member, or we decided to spend the money in some way, shape, or form. It 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 it, it may be that it, it may be that the markets have dropped significantly, and as a result, uh, a depressed asset value is affecting that probability as well. But once we notice that the probability has dropped, then we can start having conversations about what we can do to get that back on track. And the first thing to do is to start with the the budget. budget. It's the The budget. budget. It's the budget. (laughs) It's, it's so important when it comes to all things, retirement planning. So the idea is let's look at what we have coming in. Let's look at what our expenses are. Let's look at what uh, discretionary savings we might have. And then are there things in the budget that we might be able to tighten up a little bit, both in terms of expectation of what we need to live on in retirement, but also in terms of, hey, do we have some wiggle room here? Can we create some additional cash flow? You know, maybe we we enjoy a couple fewer Starbucks every week, and maybe that's an, uh, an additional several hundred dollars that can go back into 401k or, or what have you. So it really starts there. And it's really a challenge of uh, realistically, what do we need to live on? What do we need to maintain this standard of living? And then adjusting accordingly. Obviously, once we have the budget scrutinized and we have the ability to perhaps help with additional savings, there's a whole litany of things that we can do as well that might help. If a plan is severely compromised and the probability is very low, then unfortunately it requires some drastic measures. And and any of the solutions are, to say the least, painful. It may very well be, all right, look, uh, we've got to look at that budget even more more severely and, and scrutinize it even more. And we got to find a way of really accepting a, a lower retirement income. Uh, we, we need to accept a, a lower standard of living. We might have to look at the budget in an effort to tighten our belt and see how we might be able to find ways to save more currently. Or we might have to decide to look at pushing out the retirement target. Mm-hmm. And maybe we need several more years of working either full-time or part-time 
to be able to make the numbers work. Uh, but when we get to that point, uh, the, the the way to get back on track is is usually quite painful. For others, there are certain tweaks that we may want to consider. For example, are are there ways to increase slowly the amount of money being contributed to 401k? Are there ways to change where and how we're contributing the 401k so as to elicit some tax breaks in retirement, which puts that much less pressure on the amount of money we need to accumulate? If we're paying less in taxes, we don't need quite as much accumulated to provide the same kind of cash flow. If we have 401k loans, which I'm not a big fan of, are there ways that we can concentrate on knocking those down because you're not really participating with those loans outstanding in the ebbs and flows of the market? And over a long term, you're missing out on quite a bit of price appreciation. Do we consider, as I said before, working longer? Do we consider as part of the plan, maybe some part-time employment for a period of time? Do we consider maybe uh, some type of a, a side hustle, maybe the opportunity to do a little bit of consulting while you're working and that additional revenue can be put toward debt reduction or additional accumulation? So there's a number of things that could be done all based on the budget. You just mentioned ebbs and flows of the market, and I want to go on to the investment portfolio because as you get older, you don't have as much time to bounce back after a market drop. How do you how do you deal with this? The investment component it becomes, and the strategies around that become far more important the closer you get to retirement. It, it's certainly a fact that having a large disruption in one's portfolio value during the early part of one's retirement is 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 vastly more problematic and has a greater negative impact on one's retirement than, let's say, suffering the same type of large drop when you're midway through retirement. Mm -hmm. When you're in your 60s with the potential of 30 years ahead of you, that drop becomes impactful. When you're in your late 70s with maybe another 10 or 15 years ahead of you, while it's problematic, it doesn't quite have the same impact because we're now um, bridging a, a much shorter period of time. So whereas as an individual who is working and accumulating can have a fairly aggressive posture with their portfolio because the ebbs and flows of the market kind of coincide with their working years and they have the ability to somewhat dollar cost average, uh, put money in on a regular basis and, and buy continually cheaper shares on the way down, reducing one's average cost which certainly makes the break even come quicker. Mm -hmm. But when one is retired and drawing off that portfolio, uh, everything kind of works in reverse. Dollar cost averaging, or I should say, average selling price as you're decumulating assets, that has a, a huge impact and a negative impact on, on the portfolio. And it causes one to consume uh, more assets more quickly. So the solution isn't really easy. 
if one says, well, I'm retired and I should be really conservative and they're facing a 15 or 20 year retirement, inevitably they're going to miss out on price appreciation. And that translates into missing out in some way, shape or form on experiences. There might not be as much money in the account to be able to pull out to enjoy things. There might not be as much money in the account at the end for legacy or or charitable gifts. And and, and as a result, uh, one's retirement is certainly compromised because of the fear of a drop in value. Mm -hmm. Conversely, if we maintain a very aggressive posture and we're pulling money out regularly, uh, we can suffer a large drop, which then can take many, many, many years before the portfolio digs itself out. And in some cases, the damage done, because unlike when you're working, you're also pulling money out regularly, you may never be able to rewrite the ship. So in, in a perfect world, you'd want some type of an investment strategy uh, that would allow you to participate in those good years, in those seven out of 10 years on average where the market is up. And in those bad years, not avoid a loss, but manage the account in such a way that we can hopefully reduce to a large degree the extent of the loss. It's not about avoiding a loss. It's about managing the degree to which we have a loss. And and that requires active management. There isn't you know, a single product, there isn't a holy grail uh, that one can find or, or buy into that's going to accomplish that. And in many cases, those products that are out there that are deemed to be solutions to that problem typically create another problem, which is lack of accumulation or lack of growth or whatever the case might be over a period of time. So a retirement is a long time. It's a, a third of, of one's life and a lot of wealth can be accumulated during that period. And a lot of experiences can be enjoyed as a result of that growth. So we don't want to dismiss growth for safety. Social security. How does this figure into your retirement plans? And I must say, we just did an entire episode on social security. It's episode 14. So make sure you listen to that. Jim was fantastic. Great information. So let's just review quickly. What about Social Security? Well, in a nutshell, it's it's really important. It is, for most of us, a third of our retirement strategy. It represents that third leg of a three-legged stool. Every bit is important, if not more important than pension and investment. And I say even more important because the Social Security benefit is uh, is uh, and it has the ability to adjust for cost of living so we should expect that that benefit over time will rise there are an awful lot of pension plans if people still have pension plans and there are very few of us that do these days compared to 30 or 40 years ago uh, many of those are fixed and there isn't a cost of living component so every year well into your retirement your purchasing power there gets this uh, d- diminished. So having a, a component like Social Security 
that can adjust for social security helps because obviously when we look at a 30 year retirement cost of everything is going to be vastly more expensive down the road than it is today and we need to have the ability to create cash flow to uh, provide for those necessities and then obviously the the concern over that third leg investment and savings is it's uh, highly volatile fluctuates quite a bit and there are huge swings in terms of value or income opportunity so having social security it is probably the most stable of those three components and unfortunately between the workers benefit a spousal benefit or two workers benefits and all the other various iterations there are 9406 different filing combinations which just makes it even more difficult and creates a much greater probability that somebody filing kind of figuring this thing out on their own one time uh, more than likely will let's just say do something that is perhaps less than optimal yeah definitely now what about debt debt has negative connotations but you say you can use this and you can use it strategically yeah i would put debt strategies in in a category that i i would call maybe thinking outside of the box historically the idea is hey as we get closer to retirement we want to reduce the amount of uh, fixed expenditures Mm -hmm. that we have we want to get rid of debt and and that to a large degree absolutely makes sense you do not want to be increasing debt going into retirement if if the reason you're increasing debt is to support increasing expenditures or additional experiences that you may not be able to afford Uh, if you want to take a trip and you can't afford the trip you do not go into debt to enjoy the trip that becomes a problem especially when you're on a fixed income budget but that said debt can be and should be considered a financial tool and that tool can be very effective in navigating ebbs and flows of the market ebbs and flows with the economic cycle as an example and and when i talk about debt i'm I'm not necessarily talking about credit card debt i'm talking about fixed financing debt uh you know do we use equity in the home temporarily as a home equity loan do we use a securities based loan where we're collateralizing some portion of one's portfolio Uh, or uh, and we really don't have time to go into it do we use debt from the standpoint of tapping equity in the home if the idea is you know we're not really interested in leaving a legacy maybe a reverse mortgage creates cash flow and might very well create uh, the opportunity to enjoy greater experiences but where debt does make sense is in situations where the market is difficult the account might be a bit compromised and we're faced with the situation where we need to continue to take money out of the portfolio maybe we need to take money out of the portfolio because we have a a real estate purchase and and we need to use some of this money to provide a down payment or or bridge the gap 
If you're doing that out of a traditional retirement portfolio, more than likely there's a huge tax bill associated with pulling that money out. You're going to need a whole lot more than 100,000 if you need to net 100,000. And you're probably taking it out at the worst time possible because we're right in the middle of a recession and portfolio values haven't come back. So the cost of doing that is not only the tax bill, which in some cases can be 15 to 30%. That's a very large interest payment, so to speak, on that loan. That's a chunk of money, my man. Chunk yeah, of- absolutely. And in addition, the greater cost may be the opportunity cost of not participating in the recovery when it comes as well, because that money now is gone. Conversely, if we have the ability to borrow at a reasonable rate, obviously rates were a lot more effective and cheaper just a few years ago than they are today, but even using today's rates, and and we'll use a a mortgage as an example, uh, if you were to do a home equity line uh, on a a home, and let's say that the the rate was 7%, so it's going to cost you 7% to pull that money out of equity that's just kind of sitting there. And you can use that to fuel cash flow. You can use that for this large purchase. And by doing that, you haven't moved anything from your portfolio. So it's still there. And as a result, you haven't uh, got hit with a large tax bill by pulling that money out. Often that tax bill would be greater than the interest rate that you're paying on the, the mortgage. And in addition, when the market turns, as it always does at some point, and and starts to recover, you're fully participating in the recovery as well. So you start looking at the carrying cost of the loan versus the benefit derived from leaving the money as is, and it's pretty dramatic. And then how do we retire that debt? We try to retire that debt over a period of time, because as we said before, generally, over long periods of time, you know, the market is generally up 73, 74% of the time. So there, there generally should be seven out of 10 years where returns are robust enough that we could harvest a little bit of that excess gain and apply that toward principal and over a period of time paying that off. In fact, if you were to run a regression analyses and say, look, after a big drop in portfolio value, that very next year, if I just borrowed the cash flow that I need to live on and then pay that thing off over the next four or five years of market recovery, you find that the probability of success actually increases. And here's a situation where somebody is using debt. You're using debt instead of assets you already have. You're using it as a financial tool. That's quite a bit different than using debt to afford something you really can't afford. Right. Big difference. Mm. But I hear you saying, be patient. You can weather this. Just be resilient. If you run into problems, you can get back on track. Absolutely. And the sooner you have an idea that you might be running off track and can start to use those corrective strategies, the better off you are. The worst thing is be way off track retire, and then sometime well into retirement, Mm. figure that out. Because now it's a lot harder to push retirement off because you're already in it. 
It's a lot harder to save additional monies because you are now on somewhat of a, a fixed finite budget. So understanding what that looks like and also maybe understanding what issues might lurk out there that aren't issues today, but maybe an issue down the road. A great example of that, and sadly, this has happened a number of times is, you know, we'll have a, a client who has several children and there's usually one that let's just say has, has failed to, to, to launch. Right. And, and, uh, and it's usually the, it usually doesn't come as a surprise. Uh, it, it, we kind of know who that child may very well be. And if there is some concern that that may be an issue, it's better to plan for that in the pre-retirement period, maybe it means we have to build in additional expenditures in retirement uh, and then plan accordingly. Far better to do that then than to be three years in the retirement and now realize you're spending an additional 15000 a year that you weren't planning on spending to support an adult child. Jim, at Caden Wealth, do you regularly review uh, retirement plans just to make sure everything's going okay? We do. Uh, we do both for clients who are working toward retirement, but then also clients who are uh, in retirement. And, and and the way we look at that as uh, as a quick review is a bit different. With a retirement plan, somebody who's uh, still ahead of the retirement date, uh, we like to run uh, these regression analyses, which will give us an idea of probability of success. And if that probability of success is waning, if it's dropping, uh, we know there are corrective things that we can do, some of which we've mentioned on this uh, podcast. For those who are already retired, we've got a general sense at the time they retire as to what uh, percentage of their portfolio we're decumulating. What percentage of the portfolio are we converting into cash flow? Are they spending 3% of their portfolio per year, as an example? So for clients who uh, we review with, and we review clients regularly, who are coming in for a review post-retirement, one of the first things that we talk about as part of their review is what is their distribution percentage? What are they distributing from their portfolio at this point? And it's very easy to identify folks for whatever reason have started to pull more money out so their uh, decumulation or their spending rate is far higher than what we would deem to be reasonable. Mm. Uh, a couple examples there are very recent. Uh, I had a, I was reviewing a client, in fact, yesterday mm. uh, who... Um, has, has done a lot of real estate moves. They were in the South, then they were in Florida, then they were in Michigan, then they moved back to Florida and they're, they're back in Michigan. Anyway, uh, <laughs> as, as a, and, and he came in and he, he knew he was spending way more than he, he should have. And, uh, he, he indicated that, uh, he goes, I don't know if you know this, but whenever I call to, to ask for money, I, I don't ask to be connected with you. I always <laughs> talk to you know one of my teammates who's responsible for all those distributions. And then she lets me know, and then I kind of look at the calculation. But he's also promised that 
their days of bouncing around across the country are probably over and now we can kind of build a build a base. I had another client who uh, is now well into her 70s and ever since her retirement we were pulling about a a 3.4% distribution rate. Oh. Really quite low. And after talking to her uh, we realized that uh, because of her age and she's in great shape but the house is becoming a bit more than she has the ability to take care of. She's no longer climbing on ladders, thank goodness, uh, but she's got an extensive yard and all those kinds of things. And, and uh, this is the house that she and her husband owned uh, when they moved uh, back to Michigan from, from work out of state. And, and that's the house that they owned when he passed. So there's also an, an emotional connection. And she would really like to stay in the house as long as she could. So we decided what she really needed was about $1,000 more a month net of taxes than what she is getting currently. And what that would do is that would effectively change her distribution rate from mid threes to low fours. And while it's still above four, and I consider that somewhat problematic, you know, the fact that she's in her mid seventies certainly provides some wiggle room. So even though it's been an increase in distribution, we felt it was fine in that scenario. Now, if somebody who is in their early 60s or late 50s retired and we're seeing that that rate starting to increase like that, we would have much more concern than somebody who is in their mid-70s, let's say. But there are answers, so we can be happy with that. Yes, there are absolutely answers. All right, and that is the big takeaway here today. When your retirement plans hit a detour, there are actionable solutions to help realign life without compromising your retirement dreams. You are not stuck. By assessing the situation, revisiting the budget, and applying the strategies discussed today, you can regain control and continue enjoying your golden years. The key here, perhaps, is to embrace that path ahead with positivity and a readiness to adapt, because this is all part of the journey. Please be sure to subscribe to the Retirement Engineer podcast so you don't miss future episodes and follow at Caden Wealth on social. Let us know what you think in the comments. Please share topics you'd like us to discuss in future episodes. Following and sharing this podcast helps our small show make a larger impact. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Engineer with Jim Cruzan. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.cadenwealth.com or give us a call at 800-638-6900. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of Jim Cruzan and this episode's guests, not necessarily those of Caden Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.